0: You're listening to the Rosenfeld Review. I'm Lou Rosenfeld. And who is my guest today? It is none other than Prayag Narula. Hi, Prague.
1: Hey, Lou. It's good to have you. Glad to be here.
0: Very glad to have you here. Um, you know, it's it, it's always a little fraught, right? Because um, Prague is a, a person who is a founder of a company that many of you in the research world are getting to know about, Marvin. Uh, he's their CEO and co-founder and uh, if you're doing qualitative user research that's one of the cool platforms uh, that people are really starting to uh, to use and resonate with Uh, and um, it's so important to talk about these tools we're not going to just talk about Marvin and tools like that we're going to really talk a lot about qualitative research in the context not only of managing it but uh, prague is, is giving a pretty interesting talk at advancing research uh, later in march march 27th through 29th that's when the conference takes place it is virtual and you know i'm going to plug it because it's a pretty damn good conference but uh, we've got a lot to cover prague and um first of all um, you uh this is you not your first go-round as an entrepreneur right you you've You've done one company before.
1: I have, yes. Um, not my first rodeo, as they call it, even though I've never been to the rodeo. Um, so, uh, I this is my second company, and one of my last company was straight out of grad school. And I came, actually, I came to the United States to study, and then ultimately end up teaching, qual research uh, and design research at the University of California, Berkeley. Um, and really enough, my first company had nothing to do with HCI, uh, a field that I had been at that point for, for many years. Um, it was a completely different field. And when I left, you know, I ran that company for, for a decade or so uh, and I left and that company is still going, but I promised myself that the next time, the next company that I'm gonna start, I will go back to my roots and I'll go back to my community. My community is, is research and design research. So I am really really glad that I started. Hey Marvin, got back to my roots and conversations like this is is what keeps me going. So thank you for having me again. I, I'm I'm really excited.
0: Well, it's it you know this is for me. Let's face it, this is for nobody else. Not even <laughs> you, listener. This is just for me. And and, and the reason is, um, every once in a while I like to talk about this that um, uh, about I don't know, 12 years ago um, I was uh, consulting for a large Silicon Valley financial services company. They move money around. You might be familiar with them. And uh, uh, I was going around for months and months and months trying to uh, get my hands on research. And it was really problematic. It was really horribly problematic. So. I, I, You know, I was really doing a lot with search analytics at the time. I think I wrote a book on it around that time. And um, I asked them, "Where, where is your search analytics? And uh, uh, they don't know. And I think after about six months, they finally turned it up in some call center in Omaha. And then I remember I was walking down the hall and they had... Um, I just happened to glance into one of the war rooms and they had an indie young style mental models diagram on the, on the wall. It's an enormous diagram. I said, why didn't you tell me about that? I've been working with you for months. Oh, oh yeah, (laughs) that. And there was like many instances like that, which made me really frustrated in a number of ways. Everyone who knows me knows it's like frustration is my driver. So I was frustrated (laughs) because there was no way to like put all these things together And then, of course, the ongoing frustration beyond that was even if you could put them together, there was no um, real organizational or even cultural imperative towards synthesizing the different types of research and evidence that were being generated and all the different kinds of tools and methods that were being applied to understand reality. And so if you don't have those different blind men looking to see what and compare notes and put their ideas together. You never figure out that elephant of insight. And so I've just been waiting for, for tools like yours to start appearing and lo and behold, I'm so happy. So like, how did you, is this similar for you? Is is this why you, you got into this business Uh, among other reasons that you've already mentioned in terms of wanting to get back to your home community?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. You hit the nail on its head, uh, Lou. One of the things that really frustrated me um, was that research and qualitative research, whether we call it qualitative research or not, is one of the primary drivers of decision-making for all organizations, and I would argue it's the primary driver decision-making for anybody on a personal level as well. All executives, companies, organizations, all of them take decisions based on the conversations that they've had, um, you know, the, the, the qualitative data. But there is no um, a centralized place where people are looking at this. Even if the, the research is being done with the sole objective of making decision based on qualitative research and that's happening in multiple places in the organization not just design research um pricing is a big you know big part of pricing research is qualitative research big big part of strategy research is qualitative research you know you talk to any of the big management consultant they spend most of their life doing qualitative research sometimes they call it call research sometimes they don't but At the same time, there is no, you know, there's no scientific method that's being applied at an original level um, towards that that call research. And one of the primary drivers for me, uh, and something that fuels me even today, is the idea that call research is valid. Call research is scientific. It's not, oh, you know, that's just that one is anecdotal and one and quant research is more data, quote unquote. Um, that's not the case. We in social sciences, we've been doing qualitative research as a primary method of science discovery for six decades. Mm-hmm. Right, but even today, you know, you ask most of the organization, most of the people in organization, even sometimes the researchers, they'll go on to say. Data as quant research and qual research is kind of somehow right, and I wanted to change. That was kind of one of my big drivers. I wanted to change this this thinking mm-hmm. that qual research is anecdotal or qual research is not scientific or it's not a base for making decision. Right? Why is there a data science for like we've been talking about data sciences, which is essentially statistics for the past ten years in in the corporations at least, if not longer, but Call recent does not get it, get it to do yeah. as much. So that's kind of one of the other big drivers for me was, you know, I call it the tyranny of math. You know, basically what we are thinking is like, if we are taking out math, if it's math, then it's valid. If it's not math, it's somehow not valid. One of my researcher friends put it, he said, you know, the best way to make your research seem more, um, more valid is to add two decimal points. So instead of saying, you know, six out of ten people think this, you say, you know, uh sixty point zero zero percent of people think XYZ. Um so yeah, that that was kind of one of a big inspiration is well, this, me, this idea that qual research is valid.
0: Let me yeah. let me just ask you a question about that. Um so, you know, there's a lot of I think you and I could probably generate um a good four or five theories as to why qual don't get no respect. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, as someone who is a, a tool developer to support quality research, if you feel that, like, the fact that, you know, for years and years and years we've been using tools like, you know, Oracle to manage huge amounts of statistical data, quant data, that until we had some, like, cl- category of tools to manage qual data. Like it's almost like if it didn't get on IT's radar, it wasn't real, it wasn't serious. (laughs) I mean, do do, do, do you feel like there's a legitimizing aspect to the research simply by having software to support it?
1: Absolutely, 100%. And, and, you know, if you read the history of Oracle, uh, specifically, you know, uh, we talk about books It's a, a biography of uh, of Oracle's uh, CEO. Um, he talks about how having tools that Oracle built um, made it made the processes seem much more legitimate. Like he was of the opinion that processes need to follow software instead of software following processes. Right? Um, I think. I hope. That that's the case now with qual research, and it's not just like two like ours. There are you know other other tools in the market that are also pre- making you know qual research much more valid, but or at least uh, you know giving it that validity. But yes, I think having a software stack that 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 prioritizes qual research is extremely important in in making it making it valid. And honestly, it's also. Makes it a lot more useful. Your data, your call data, is valuable, and it should have a stack dedicated to on its own.
0: Well, let me ask you an IA question. Uh, it's sure. probably you know, it's for me, it's an IA question. But you know, one of the other reasons I think we're we've lagged to have tools to address qualitative research evidence to manage it uh, is that in many respects, it's a more challenging technical uh, problem. Because in qualitative data, which is highly variable and at best semi-structured, you have a real difficult time getting semantic value to rise to the surface. So meaning in your qualitative data requires typically or historically a huge amount of manual effort by people with brains. And um, how does a, a tool like yours really get at um, helping, at least not replacing, but helping humans? I'm assuming do a better job of of adding structure, adding metadata, so that there is so, so the the hooks for semantic value are are there, so we can actually learn from it, we can actually manage it, we can move it around, and we can connect it.
1: That's a, that's a great question, and that's a question that I spend a lot of time thinking about, obviously. Um, so one of the, uh, the, as you said, qual data is inherently more challenging, I would say, than, than quant data. Partly it's historical. We have been doing math for 3,000, as humans, we've been doing math for 33,000, maybe 4,000 years. You know, call race call call research only came into existence, you know, in the 60s. So it's it's a relatively new, new type of scientific inquiry. Um, and our tool definitely, you know, our goal is to add that context, right? Like make it easy to add that context. Um the one of the ways in which we try to kind of contextualize call research is by using all activities of call of That are part of qual research and kind of connecting them internally, right? So, for example, note taking is is an inherent part of qual active. In fact, we went and did research before we were building the tool, and we had people who had never done qual research, we're like, let's go talk to these people. They would inherently take out a pen, take out a piece of paper, be like, what are you doing? We are taking notes because we want to go back to this conversation, right? And that's so so note taking is, is an inherently kind of inherent part of call research. Um uh, question asking, asking specific questions is an inherent part of call research. All of this stuff that almost comes natural to people who are not even call experts, we are trying to centralize that and connect all of that. Um, you know, a lot of the time um call you know coding, data coding or data tagging is a is a core part of call research. And it is very, very important. But it requires all this training on what it's like to do call analysis. What we are trying to do is tie that, you know, those specialized work like data tagging or data coding with stuff that everybody does, like question asking or note taking. And that's kind of we're trying to bring all of that together in one place so that the context is there Mm -hmm. when you start to kind of even when you're starting to have the conversation, the context is there. Um, and then recently we've been leaning heavily into AI and, and using AI to kind of add context to the conversation and or using AI as a way to um to be able to you know help with qual analysis. I don't think AI or technology can ever replace the expertise of a person, of a researcher, um, but it can definitely help. And that's kind of what we are trying
0: to do. Well that's exciting. I mean there's three things I really heard there. And, um, they all make me feel, uh, some make me feel less comfortable than the others, namely the AI part. But, uh, you know, in terms of note-taking, I got to say, we've been working with Jorge Arango on his new book, Duly Noted, which is just basically a book about note-taking. And wow. yeah, and, uh, you know, he's, awesome. <laughs> he's going at it from an AI perspective, but he's trying to uh-huh. really open it up. And it's just one of these areas that we just take for granted. And the same thing with question asking and, uh, you know, and sort of, especially as like, uh, you know, chat GPT starts coming to the fore. It's so obvious in a way that like what they taught us in in reference librarianship a billion years ago is about asking questions and iterative question question asking. The prompts are really important, but the AI part is what's really generating a huge amount of light and heat right now and for for good reason. Mm -hmm. So, We're going to come back to that after the break, and I hate to keep you hanging, but it's time for a commercial. You're listening to The Rosenfeld Review. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want more, not only do we have a whole bunch of podcasts in our archive, but we have something that's very current, very alive, and very engaging for groups, and that is our communities. Rosenfeld Media runs a variety of communities that meet on a monthly basis for video conferences on a variety of topics near and dear to UX people, ranging from an enterprise experience to advancing research to design and research operations. I want to encourage you to join one of our communities again. It is free by going to Rosenfeldmedia.com slash communities. Not only will you get a monthly video conference that you can listen in on and participate in, ask questions, and so forth. We'll give you access to the recordings. And uh, for some of those communities, we're talking about dozens of recordings with really interesting presenters and facilitators. You'll also get a newsletter. You'll get access to an advice columnist. Yes, we actually are providing advice columnists from each community. And finally, if you're interested in our conferences, our communities correspond to our conferences. So you will be the first to know when programs, uh, when programs go live, uh, when tickets go on sale, and by the way, most of our conferences sell out, and other good things about our conferences, such as uh, when the scholarship applications open up. So go to Rosenfeldmedia.com communities. You're going to find something that's free, something that's interesting, and it's a great opportunity to find your tribe as well. We'll see you there. Welcome back to the Rosenfeld Review, talking with uh, Prague Narula about things ranging from qualitative research to research repositories uh, to AI uh, and qualitative research. But um, yes, I, I promise we'd get to that after the break. But I just wanted to clarify something with you, Prag. You were talking about the capture of, of uh, questions and notes and other things that help that semantic value rise to the surface in qualitative research. And were you saying that like one of the secrets that you're using with your platform is to try to, maybe it's not a secret, but to to capture that at the moment of creation rather than post facto?
1: That That is correct. That is absolutely correct. I, I should have clarified that. But yes, the idea is that the note taking, uh, the question asking, um, um, you know, even even um, you know, co- some of the coding happens in context as much as possible, mm-hmm. um, and that has you know multiple advantages, ranging from if all of the data is in one place to it's a lot easier uh, to kind of do everything in one place and 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 use that as a way. For, for insight to surface. Um so yeah, that was that's a that's an excellent clarification. Thank you. Luke. Well then
0: I'm gonna make you clarify one more thing. You're like giving okay. away access to individual researchers, right?
1: We are. Uh the tool is free to use for individual researchers, uh up to actually two researchers. Um so if you're if you're only two people in a team or you're you're you have uh you know you have you and your 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 uh partners are doing research, uh, go to www.heymarvin.com and, and sign up for a free
0: account. Just tell them that Pryag sent you. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, then let, let's get to the AI part. I know, uh, you know, sure. probably a lot of listeners are really kind of itching to to learn more about that. And um, I've been fooling around uh, with chat GPT for things like uh, comparing products and pricing. And um, I mean, it's like, really amazing and, and really, like, frighteningly terrible in some respects at the mm-hmm. same time. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the technology you're looking to use uh, w- with uh, uh, qualitative research analysis, but, well, well, tell us what you're finding. I mean, you're, it, I think this is what you're going to be talking about at Advancing Research with, uh, 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 with uh, Rita uh, Kadri from uh, Google.
1: I think there's going to be part of that. Uh, so m- let me talk a little bit about my opinion, what I've seen in terms of chat GPT specific, but large language models and AI. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about my uh, about the talk that I'm doing. Okay. Um, so um, before I get into it, I should make a clarification. My company Marvin is uh, our top investor. Is Sam Altman, who is the founder and CEO of chat GPT and OpenAI. He has no role to play in this. So anything I say is not is 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 not um, you know, influenced in any way. But I, you know, for for people who are gonna look up, yes, it's a it's a funded company funded by OpenAI's founder, but we have no um no connection Got other it. than that. Thank um, you for the disclaimer. So yeah. <laughs> Um so in terms of yeah, OpenAI chat GPT, yes, I I I'm very excited about the use of these technologies in research. Um and we have already started to use this in um in Marvin. So if you go, we have this this really cool um automatic note taker where they'll it'll take the notes for you. We have you know some sort of automatic synthesis that's being done um by AI. And there is there's some really cool stuff there um that, that we are using OpenAI and Chat GPT for. Um, and I think I think for some of the stuff, it's really, really powerful. It's really, really awesome what it does is gives researchers, it doesn't replace research of course, Um, you know, we always would always need trained researchers to be able to do good synthesis, conduct good research. What it does give them is another layer on top of everything that they are doing, another layer, um, but it gives them another set of tools that they can make their uh, their work easier, but at the same time gives them another layer of like, here is what like, in AI it says about this research. Now mm-hmm. that's another data point for you to use as you're thinking about your research, as you're thinking about your data. Obviously, AI is not going to engage with the data like a researcher would, but it does give you kind of a superficial understanding. And it could be it could be really helpful in some cases.
0: Well, let me ask you this: um, It seems to me that in any environment where you're trying to synthesize. Uh, well, not just synthesizing different sources or, or bodies of research, but even if you're digging into a single one, the, the, you know, to, to mangle Don Rumsfeld's quote, it's the unknown unknowns that are the hard part, you know, the, the, the patterns you don't know to look for. And I'm wondering if AI tools in, in your experience are, are helpful at asking or helping us ask questions that we didn't consider or helping us sense patterns that we weren't looking for
1: they can yes and that's kind of what i was i was getting at it's this idea that ai would give you one interpretation of the data and that interpretation could be using data you might not have considered or or might have had um you know might have considered reference to data that you might have might not have considered or ask question that you might as a researcher might not have considered um so uh, you know that's kind of i think the 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 big advantage of having ai be your co-pilot and having ai be um you know working right next to you and assisting the the um the researchers is this sense of like am i missing something because honestly like one of the biggest you know you know this and our our listeners know this one of the biggest fear of researchers, there is like an insight that's staring into my face. I just didn't look at that data or just never asked that question. Um, and AI kind of, you know, doesn't completely remove that but it does give you an, an additional um, sense of like there is something else that's looking at the data. Odds of ha- that happening and AI giving an insight that you never considered, what are the odds? I don't know, they're probably uh, low, especially in the early days of large language models, but it's definitely a really exciting time to be including mm-hmm. that research or, or and that kind of um you know those, that kind of that kind of technology into our into our technology stack well it's it's
0: interesting because uh you know the the sort of classical problem uh with ai is is its inability or at least classically understood is that it has an inability to to uh to to essentially code switch to to understand different domains and the fact that language is highly dependent, uh, meaning wise on (laughs) what the context you're using it is. And Mm -hmm. in other words, what the domain is and, you know, I'm not well enough, uh, aware of large language models to know if there's any kind of secret sauce to how they, they span different subject domains. But I'm wondering if you're starting to see anything suggesting that, you know, a, a, a research repository full of qual research from in a large organization might actually have a lot of different subjects covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and are you seeing any like that? The, the AI AI is sort of running into a wall when it comes to helping you kind of cut across those silos, or maybe not.
1: I think the the challenge with large language models is is is, is kind of similar, Wayne, but I think it's on only- Almost the opposite, because large language models have been trained on pretty much the entire body of knowledge that human beings have captured. Right? Um, when we talk about, you know, like kind of four three hundred billion um, points, you um, know, in, in the training data, um, that's a lot of content. Mm-hmm. So I think the challenge that we are seeing with AI now um, is how do you limit the understanding of the of an AI model of a large scale language model? to a research repository, to only the data that exists in the research repository, while being able to add context um, from the outside world, which is natural for human beings. Um, and to me, that's a really um, that is an interesting problem um, to solve. And, and we are solving this in a kind of a, a smaller way already. Um, and, and the goal is to solve it at a, at a repository, at a repository level but i think that's a much much easier problem to solve than you know than the the older problem of like hey you know there's so much different context um and and a, and in a, a ai you know ai from from even 5 years ago mm-hmm. uh to, as you mentioned the uh, the problem the challenge with ai was how do you take all these nuances of multimodal um qualitative research and and have ai be able to answer questions based on that mm-hmm. um what large scale language model like ChatGPT or or you know the the google whatever that's called bard have done is that they have you know these these language models are built are are trained on 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 so much data and they have what 4 billion um data points in terms of their uh, in, in terms of their training um so they have the concept of a, a large part, or if not all, of human knowledge. But how do you take that and limit it only to your research, mm. only to the research that you have captured, right? Um, so I I believe that that's a easier challenge to tackle than um uh than than the 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 one from five years ago. Um, so I'm very hopeful that there is definitely a a big. Keys that's coming in terms of the big advance. Advance that's coming in the use of AI and in qual in qual research, and we are at the forefront of that. And we have been able to see, solve these problems at a at a smaller level already. Um, and we are we're working on this. This this is a this is a really exciting time. To be a researcher, um, and and exciting time to be a researcher that's excited about about the use of AI.
0: Absolutely, but uh, I imagine it's also a time to be cautious and conscious. So I, I think that's what you and uh, Rida are going to be getting into at your, during your talk at advancing research in March. Do you want to give us a, a just a little taste of of that?
1: Yeah, no, that's a that's a great segue. So Rida Kadri, who is. Uh, a researcher at uh, Google um, in their AI AI group is co-presenting with me. And uh, the topic of the talk is HCI 2.0, humanities or the attention that UX research offers. And the idea there is, uh, so a little bit about uh, Rida's background, she was working on what she calls mo- mobility systems, um, essentially, you know, the, the Ubers of the world, the Lyfts of the world, and their application, their implementation, in, um, you know, outside of the United States. So she did a lot of research in um, in Indonesia, studying these platforms. And one of the key learnings for her was the context, the the, the understanding that works in Silicon Valley does not transfer to, you know, outside communities. Mm-hmm. So how do you work with these communities and how do you kind of, you know, before you go and implement your ways of lives onto these people, um, how do you how do you engage with the community and how do you kind of do good studies um, to be able to make sure that you are implementing these technologies in a responsible way? There are a bunch of challenges here, um, and that is especially important with um, with large language models with AI um, because you know these technologies have. This huge potential um, both for uh, doing good in the world, but also for doing for doing bad in the world. Too. Right. So as they are being implemented in the world, how do the re how what is the research? And we believe research communities' role is central to making sure that these technologies are built in an ethical way. They are being built with the communities um, and they are being rolled out in a way that is net positive to the communities that they're. Um, that 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 are going to use these technologies rather than being a net negative. So that's the whole talk is about the role of research and researchers as central p- part of this uh, of this new way of technology, it's especially and uh, including the AI.
0: Well, you have a uh, the two of you have a really compelling title HCI 2.0. Humanity deserves the attention that UX research has to offer. That again, folks, uh, just to put in the plug, that will be one of the great talks that you'll be able to learn from three at the three day long advancing research conference. That's uh, March 27th through 29th. It's going to take place virtually. And, uh, you've heard me say it before, and I'll say it again, even if you're dealing with zoom fatigue, um, our conferences are really a different thing altogether in terms of the, the virtual experience. So, um, you should give it a check. You should check it out. Um, prior before we wrap up, let me thank you, first of all. I, I sometimes forget to do that. I'll thank you now. Uh Prayag Narula, the CEO and co-founder of Marvin. What's the gift you have for our listeners before we wrap it up, Prayag?
1: I have two gifts. Uh, I have one book recommendation. All right. And then one uh, one URL that everybody should go to. So the book recommendation is this book called A Tale of Two Cultures, Qualitative and Quantitative Research in Social Sciences. Um, it's a relatively old book. It's about uh, 12 years old at this point. Uh, Gary Gortz and James Mahoney have written this book. And uh, this was one of the transformational books for me, especially as we talk about call and con and, and the the intersection of that and how, kind of com- how you can combine those two paradigms um, but you know their point is you know people who who are operators from both of these research come from different cultures so you have to start learning each other's languages uh, to be able to be you know, effectively use um use uh, both methodologies so remarkable book everybody should go out. i don't know if it's still in print but um but if you you can definitely find it i found it um uh used at a, at my local bookstore so please go I, that's my my rec- book recommendation Excellent. for the for the session um and in terms of my second um uh, it's uh it's I'm gonna repeat what I said uh you can use, if you're a call researcher and you're looking for a tool um uh, go to www.hamarvin.com you can get a call research um, analysis tool for free it's built by researchers for researchers and we are also very open to uh, feedback and and thoughts and um, so go create an account. Uh, let us know what you think, um, and uh, hopefully you'll you'll find the tool very very useful. Um, so those are my two two gifts or recommendations to your listeners.
0: Love it, and it's uh, you know two gifts. Not even the holiday season.
1: That's very generous.
0: So <laughs> thank you so much, Priyak. It's great talking with you. We'll see you in March at Advancing Research. Looking forward to it.
1: Thanks,
0: Lou. Good to be here. Hey, it's Lou. Thank you for listening to the latest Rosenfeld Review Podcast. I really appreciate it. I would love to hear from you. And if you want to pop me an email, Lou at Rosenfeldmedia.com, tell me what you thought. Better yet, leave me the hell alone and post a review on your favorite podcast platform. Please feed the algorithm. It really does make a difference. We want to get the word out. If you like the word, give us a hand. And uh, while I'm asking you for favors, don't forget, buy books. Support your favorite local independent publisher. We happen to be one, RosenfeldMedia.com. All those great UX books are there. So thanks again.